Welcome everybody to Off the Cuff. I am Adam Banks. Thank you for listening to the show. And it is March Madness Eve. Actually, the playing games have already started. I've watched a couple tonight. Uh, an exciting game that was tonight was the Wichita State versus Vandy, and I think it's still going on as we speak. But I think that the winner of that game could possibly go on to play Arizona and upset Arizona. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. But yes. March Madness has officially begun, ladies and gentlemen. And we had a good episode last night on the Selection Sunday show. Had a good all-star lineup of people to talk college basketball. But I got a familiar voice uh, joining me via the telephone. And he is the same voice that you hear every single year because I bring him on every single year. This is his third year doing the March Madness show with me. I call this the pre-March Madness episode because I like to uh, dedicate a whole episode with this guy because I feel like he really knows what he's talking about when it comes to picking college basketball predictions and talking about key games and and things like that. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome via the telephone uh, from Topmost, Kentucky, Ron Mullins. Ron, how you doing, sir? I'm doing all right. I'm wondering what planet you're on, thinking Vanderbilt could beat Arizona. <laughs> I didn't say Vanderbilt was going to beat Arizona. I said the winner of Vanderbilt and Wichita State is going to go on to play Arizona. And I do think that Wichita did. What? Well, hold on. Did Wichita? Did Wichita just lose to Vandy? Wichita's up 15 with 2.58 to go. Okay, so Wichita's going to go one, and then Wichita's going to possibly upset Arizona. Do you think that's out of reach? No, I don't think Wichita's upset Arizona's out of reach. No, not at all, because here's what I like about uh, Wichita State uh, in general. I like, one, their coach. I think that Greg Marshall is one of the top coaches in college basketball today. I like his style. I like how he's he's got a fast-paced about him, he keeps his team with high tempo, and he's got a seasoned team this year. Uh, what is that guy's name? He's got the Baker guy, and uh, who's the other senior? Ron Baker, and Fred VanVleet. Yeah, and he's got those two, and and uh, he just knows how to motivate his team. I feel like that he knows how to teach his team how to be the best team. Uh, for the next forty minutes of a, of a basketball game, and he really turns it on uh, during March Madness. Yeah, I think he's very similar to Rick Pitino and Tom Izzo. In that he figures out his flaws in the season and don't care to take a loss to get going in March. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, you know, this is my first year ever doing a college basketball bracket without printing the bracket off itself and doing the bracket. I actually have this on my computer, so bear with me if I seem like I'm a little scattered and a little um, just unorganized because... Kind of, I'm not the most tech-savvy person, and I'm doing this podcast uh, with a bracket from my computer. But, uh, Ron, have you been uh, – are you completely finished with your bracket, or do you think this is the bracket you're going to turn in? Or, or what, what, are you, what are you feeling right now with your bracket? Are you confident? No, I have no confidence in the only bracket I filled out so far. Zero. <laughs> but, but you're ready to I rock mean, and roll. Have you joined any bracket pools? Not yet, no. I'm, I don't know much I love college basketball. My enthusiasm for the brackets is a little down this year. You know, I'm a Louisville fan. Unfortunately, I know what you're talking about, the Louisville Cardinals. I talked about that a little bit last night. They uh, have their 
postseasoned banned, so they were banned from the tournament this year. Um, now, I, since we're talking about that, and I have you here on the show, um, do you think that that was a fair uh, postseason ban for uh, the University of Louisville to knock them out of the tournament this year? Well, no, in a way, I don't think it's fair that Damian Lee and Trey Lewis, but in the end. You got to be punished. I mean, is it going to be fair to Mingo Matthew next year to take his senior year away? I mean, I I complained about it a lot, but in the end, I think they they made the only call they could make. Right, and do you think that uh, the punishment ends with this, or do you think that this could bleed over into next season and have another possible postseason band from the tournament? Well, the punishment's not over. That's one thing for sure. They got more. Rick Pitino's getting suspended. That's a given. And it's, I think it depends on what else comes out. As far as right now, the ban will probably be the only postseason ban, but you're probably looking at a suspension to Rick Pitino anywhere from nine to possibly 20 games. You could be looking at a reduction of scholarships as it stands right now, but, you know, it's not nowhere near concluded. So. Right, and... A lot of people have been speculating that Rick Pitino's gone after this season. Do you agree with that? The way it stands right now, no, he'll be back. I mean, once again, you know, it's a fluid situation. Anything can change at any time. And if you you followed Rick Pitino, I know, for years, and you, you know, he changes his mind as more than anybody you will ever come across. As of right now, he'll be back. Now, as a fan, do you want Pitino to be back, or do you think it's better for the program uh, to move on with somebody uh, with a little bit of a cleaner record? No, I think, as a fan, I want Rick Pitino back. He's the, I mean, I don't care who you level hard, they're going to take a step down in coaching. He's the best of the best, the elite of the elite. And they, I mean, there's no coach. The coaches that are in his league are already at Kansas, already at Kentucky, already at North Carolina. They're already at the premier programs. You know, they could hire anybody that, you know, they're the most profitable program. His name today, the second most dominant program behind Duke. But the thing remains is there's probably six elite jobs, and the other elite coaches are already at those elite jobs. There just ain't nobody out there to get better. It makes a lot of sense. Um, and, you know, this is – it's it's interesting. College basketball, the whole landscape of college basketball is about to change as far as – you know, the uh, legendary coaches. You know, you're going to have Coach Gay, Coach Gay, Coach K <laughs> at Duke. That was an accident, I swear. Coach K at Duke turning 70 here in, a, in uh, the next year or two. And I think that after he turns 70, I think he's going to bow out at Duke. So you got Duke possibly opening up, maybe Louisville opening up. And then you got, you know, Roy Williams. He ain't getting no younger. So you got North Carolina. Um, uh, the uh, Horford out, out in UCLA. I don't see him keeping his job there long. So you know you got a bunch of elite. I criticized that hard on your show a few years ago. Just to point out. Oh yeah, did, did you predict that on the show? Yes. Well, I criticized them hard and Steve Offord. Yeah, and uh, you were absolutely right about that. So yeah, I, you know, as far as you know, the coaching carousel, it's going to be interesting to see how that. Uh, plays out, and you know what's interesting about March this this whole tournament is that 
this is the time to show up. This is the time to stand out. And especially as a coach, look at the coach from Manhattan, Steve Masiello. Do you remember that little run that he had in the tournament? I don't know if it was so much a run, but he played a really good game against Louisville in the opening game. And I remember just from that one game, he got so much recognition from that that he was getting job offers. And he even had a job offer with South Florida, but uh, unfortunately he got that job offer stripped from him from lying on his resume. But my point that I'm trying to make is making a run in the tournament and actually making smart decisions in the tournament, the tournament is so publicized that if you can do that, you really are helping your career and you could possibly get a automatic promotion, an automatic shove into a better job just by showing out in the tournament. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But you look at Steve Maciello, he done a phenomenal job with Manhattan. I mean, they was, they was on hard times when he got there. He built a really good program. He kept in-city kids home, which wasn't going on. He done a great job. Would have done a much better job in South Florida than Antigua has done, in my opinion. Uh, but, you know... Sometimes tell the truth on your resume. Antigua is probably doing the worst job of any first-year coach I've ever, ever in my life encountered, like I've ever seen. Like, hey, what is his record? Has he won only, like, three or four games this year? Well, I think he's a second-year coach. He's a, yeah, he's a second-year coach. Well, that's right. That's right. He left his, Kentucky last year. Yeah, his, his team's not got any better. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. So, who do you think is going to be the coach this year that it's not a big name coach right now? I'm not talking about a big name coach, but who do you think that could possibly be that coach to make a run in the tournament this year? Well, I don't know if he's the coach that makes the run to move up, but I could see Kevin Willard getting some recognition. Something he's never done. He took over a really bad situation in Seton Hall. He had some really bad years at Seton Hall. But I think Seton Hall is the most underseeded team in the tournament. Them being a six is just ridiculous to me. They beat the two seeds three times within the last two weeks. Yeah. I think he's just. And then you got Iona, Tim Clueless. I can't pronounce his last name good, but that's close enough. He, I think he's done a good job. He's got a couple sharpshooters, and, you know, I don't know, I could easily defeat Iowa State. I could see that happening. Yeah, so you it's going to be... you got guys now who just, now where every program can pay money. So you got guys now who just want to, would rather be happy than jump up to the so-called Power Five or, you know, if I guess still BCS Six and basketball because of the Big East. you got some guys that just want to stay where they are. Yeah, you're right. Let's look at our bracket. We have uh, our number one seeds, uh, Kansas, North Carolina, uh, UVA, and Oregon. Ryan, what's going to be the – who – what's the what's the team? What's Who's going to be the first number one seed to fall? Oregon. Why? One thing, I, I don't know how they got a one seed. I think this is our run of two seed. But I just think St. Joe's just matches up so well with them. If St. Joe's get by Cincinnati, I think Cincinnati will be a tough matchup for St. Joe's, but not for Oregon, if that makes any sense. I just like I like the way St. Joe's plays. I think they're a terrible, terrible matchup for Oregon. And the front, you know, Oregon likes to play spread the floor out, four guards at times, and go small. And you know, they're not going to be able to do that against St. Joe's. St. Joe's spreads the floor themselves, but they keep their four and five playing. 
They run fast. They press. They shoot threes. They rebound. They do everything you like in the basketball team. I think they're one of the most underrated teams in the tournament. Okay, and do you think that this could be the year, the first time in history, that a 16 seed beats a number one seed? Well, I've said all year, if it, if it was going to happen, this was the year to do it. But then we got into the lower conference tournaments, and it seemed like every single one seed fell. The teams that had dominated these smaller conferences was getting beat out of their tournaments. I mean, it was up to the point where, you know, you had an eight seed going in out of one of those smaller ones. Uh, one of the one, the one, two, and three seeds lost that was smaller one. So really, the really good teams out of the lower conferences was not the ones that get into the NCAA tournament. For right. the most part. Right. I had North, I said all year North Florida was going to pull a 15-2 upset. North Florida got hosed by Florida Gulf Coast on their home floor in the semifinals of the Atlantic Sun. But Florida Gulf Coast looked good tonight. If they was playing anybody but North Carolina, I would say watch out for them. Who are you absolutely shocked to see in this tournament? Vanderbilt. <laughs> you do not like Vanderbilt. So, I mean, I agree with you. I think Vanderbilt is... I'm embarrassed to have them in the SEC. They're probably the worst team in the SEC. They have a terrible coach. Kevin Stallings has been with Vanderbilt for, what, 16, 17 years and never made it past the Sweet 16. How is he still in Nashville? I think it's... I think Vanderbilt's just looking at the situation as, what are we, where are we, what are we going to get better? I think they're kind of happy with where they are in the basketball landscape. and I guess they just feel that where they are is probably as high as they're ever going to go. Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, they got, they got their little chance, they got their little chance, they got to play, uh, uh, Wichita State tonight, but, you know, that was cut short, they... Got to go bye-bye back to the Music City. Yeah, that game went final. And the SEC was just a dreadful, dreadful conference this year. I think they're on the uptick. I do think they're on the uptick. And if you'll go back, I've not said, I've been telling you for years the SEC is bad, and I've never once said that they was on the uptick until now. Well, you know, I, I do think that the SEC is an underrated conference. I've always said that. So, you know, we, we, agree, we agree to disagree somewhat on that, like, I do think that this was a definitely a down year in the SEC, but what I like is that we actually have two teams in the tournament that could potentially be Final Four teams, the University of Kentucky and Texas A&M, which uh, brings me to a question. How far do you have Texas A&M in your bracket? Uh, I got Shaka Smart Texas A&M home second game. Okay. I don't think they last very long. I, I like them, though. I do. It is like going to be an interesting game, Texas and Texas A&M, an in-state rival. I think you look back to the SEC, though. I mean, you take Kentucky out of that conference in the last few years, and oh, my goodness. I mean, I mean it's dreadful. <laughs> Horrible. Looking I mean, at they're the only thing that brings any attention whatsoever to that conference. Yeah, well... You know, the SEC, they took a big hit with losing Billy Donovan uh, this past year. And, you know, but they did gain some some new talent. Rick Barnes at Tennessee, I think, has done a fabulous job in the first year that he he done all that he could do in his first year. You know, Texas A&M, look at them. I have Texas A&M. Um, in my, a good coach. Yeah, and I have Texas A&M in my 
I can't even tell if I had them in my final four because this computer bracket is so messed up, but it looks like that I do. Yeah, yeah, I have Texas A&M beating Duke. Absolutely. I think Billy, Don- I think Billy Donovan will be back in college. Yes. Yes, I, I agree with that. I think that, you know, he can't leave right now. Why would you leave? He's coaching two of the best players in the world, Westbrook and Durant, and he could possibly win the – what's that? He's going to lose them both within the next two years, though. Right, and then when he does, I think he'll go back to college basketball, and and um, he's going to be one of those names out there where he's only going to go to a bigger school. Oh, and Indiana was a school that – that's going to be losing a coach soon. Tom Crean, I think that he has had too many chances to do something good with the teams that he's had, and he just cannot get it done. And he has another chance this year, but I just don't see him getting past Kentucky. I don't, I don't know if he'll get past Chattanooga. <laughs> do you, who do you have winning that game, Chattanooga and Indiana? I have, Indi- I have Indiana winning it. I'm just saying Chattanooga could give them problems. But you know, Tom Crean did win the Big Ten this year outright. He did. Regular season. It seems like every time he's about ready to be gone, he comes up and does something that keeps him around. And his buyout's so huge, he'll be around another year or so. Yeah, but you know, those the thing about the buyouts is boosters, if they really want you gone, they'll write a check and they'll kick you out the door with her checkbook. I mean, that's just how it is. We gotta look at who they want, so. Yeah. And the, the candidates they want is gonna take some money to get, so they can't afford to pay him a huge buyout, then turn around and buy out someone else's huge contract. I really do hope that Indiana meets up with Kentucky because I do want to see point guard versus point guard. I want to see Tyler Ulysses versus Yogi Ferrell. Um, Ron, who do you think is the best point guard in the nation? A lot of people have been saying it's Tyler Ulysses. Who do you think it is? Yeah, I mean, he's just, he knows the floor, he's just smart, he makes smart plays. I mean, he's just a true college point guard. Had Tyler Ulysses been on the floor against Wisconsin last year, Kentucky would have went 40-0 and won the national title. You know, but you gotta you got to think about it this, uh, you got to think about it this way, though. Andrew Harrison was the point guard for Kentucky in 2014 and 2015. Say what you want to about him, but he did take Kentucky to back-to-back Final Fours. That's absolutely uh, correct. So I want to ask you, what do you, uh, just looking at your bracket, uh, looking at some key games, what game are you excited to watch? What game are you most excited to watch? Well, I was saying the Texas Texas A&M game. I think it'll be a really good game. You know, they don't play each other anymore now. Texas A&M was voted for the SEC. They played once earlier in the season. Texas A&M picked up the victory. You know, Texas is going to be wanting payback. A&M, I could easily see A&M winning that game. I just went with Texas mainly because I think I want to see the Texas-Oklahoma game in the Sweet 16. I know, terrible reason. <laughs> you know, I also think that Kentucky and North Carolina would be a great game. I mean, that's strength versus weakness, strength versus weakness. North Carolina is dominant, dominant inside. I mean, I think the only person, which not even going to walk through Louisville, probably the only person who's ever helped Bryce Johnson and check this year on the 
rebounds, and he didn't even do it that great. You know, they just dominate you inside. They, but they don't have very good guard play. Where Kentucky is different. Kentucky's going to use that game with guard play. North Carolina's going to try to win that game with inside presence. It's going to be a really good contrast. Yeah, a lot of people say that the winner, the winner of the UNC-Kentucky game is going to go on to win it all. But, you know, we'll see. Um, Ryan, I'd like for you to walk us through your Final Four. Tell us who it is and why you got who you got. Okay, I got Kansas over Miami in the Elite Eight to come out of the South. I know a lot of people's picking Merlin to go out there and beat Kansas. And by the way, I think California is the second most talented team in the country, but they don't have a coach. Conzo Martin. Yeah, Conzo Martin. Merlin has a good coach, but they just, they got issues. I don't know what it is. I mean, if you, if you watch Merlin recently. I, I have watched Maryland. I, I, I think that Maryland started off really strong, but what happened to them? It seems like they have chemistry issues. I don't know if it's Rashid Suleiman has not mixed well with them. or Their chemistry is just not where you want it to be. They don't seem to know where each other's out on the floor. It's, they don't seem to be clicking. That's why I can't put Maryland over Kansas. And but, it couldn't have come at the worst time. I mean, Maryland was a team that could possibly could have made a run, and you know, they still can make a run, but they're going to have a tough time getting by Hawaii. Uh, I, I tell you what, watch out for San Diego State. Really? I mean, you know, if Maryland plays the way they're capable, they're going to win the game. But like I said, something's not right for Maryland. Something's not. But we'll go back to my bracket here. I'm just looking at the one I filled out, as I told you, I have zero confidence in. <laughs> I have Kansas beating Miami there to come out of the South. Down in the West, I have Oklahoma beating St. Joe's in the Elite Eight. And for some reason, I just don't see St. Joe's in the Elite Eight, but that's what I got here in my bracket. So, oh, I have Wilmington beating Duke and Yale over Baylor. That's my problem. That will not happen. But anyway, I have Kansas and Oklahoma on one side of the bracket. On the other side, I think you get a Rematch of the ACC championship game. North Carolina and Notre Dame come out of the East with Roy Williams returning to the Final Four. And then down in the Midwest, I think you get for the third year in a row, Tom Izzo up against Virginia. I love Virginia. I think they're the toughest team in the country. And everybody said Michigan State deserved the number one over them. Anybody said that, well, not everybody said that. I've seen that on message boards and everything. At you know, get off basketball message board. You don't know much. <laughs> I mean, Virginia is the most deserving number one seed other than Kansas. They deserve the number one seed more than North Carolina. And I know that North Carolina won the ACC, but, I mean, you look at Virginia's resume. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they do. They, they have a good team. They're doing good. Uh, Coach Bennett's doing good things uh, down in that Commonwealth. Yeah, nobody had to win them, so they didn't. I mean, it exists. They deserve that number one seed. I mean, I could get you. Michigan State deserved one seed, but they didn't deserve it over Virginia. They deserved it over Oregon. But I got Michigan State taking Virginia out for the third straight year. Okay, so let me get this straight. Your final four, you have Kansas, UNC, Michigan State, and Oklahoma. Yes. Okay, you and me have identical final fours, except I have Texas A&M coming out of the West. That wouldn't surprise me, because that West is pretty weak. I 
anything can come out of the West. Right. Okay. Probably besides Cal, Bakersfield, and whoever plays Oregon. Well, Southern's actually not a bad thing. I still don't see Southern as a 16 team in the Final Four, but I don't think anybody can come out of the West. Why is it that Duke... I mean, okay, it's the thing about Duke, you know, Duke has an a bizarre last five years of March Madness. They lost to Lehigh in one year, they lost to Mercer in, in another year, and then they, last year, they win the national championship. Why is it that Duke is, I've not seen Duke in any bracket pool of winning the title, I've not seen them in hardly any Final Fours. Why do you think that is? I think part of that is Grayson Allen. He's the new Duke player to hate, so to speak. Which he is an unlockable guy. I mean, I don't know him personally, but on the court, he's unlockable. And I think another... Duke just don't have the depth. They can, they're capable of beating anyone on any given night. But, you know, they play six guys, basically. If one of those guys get in foul trouble, they're down to five guys. You know, they play the seventh here and there, but I just don't think you're going to go to the Final Four with seven guys. Not the talent, but, I mean, you might go to the Final Four with Anthony Davis, Marcus Teague, and Michael Kevin Gilchrist if you play seven guys. But you're not going to play Grayson Allen and Brandon Ingram and whatever sickly Pumley brother is there now. You notice those Pumleys just keep getting worse. They always have one. They're always worse than the one before them. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Kansas versus Oklahoma. Who you got? I got Kansas winning that one again. And I'm kind of skeptical on that just because of the last word there again. It's hard to beat a good team you know, three times in a season. Okay. I got Kansas one on the win. UNC versus Michigan State. See what it kind of be ironic between Michigan State and Kentucky play because I think Michigan State and Kentucky the last few years have been shoe ins for the Final Four. Mm-hmm. But once they got there, you could basically say, well, they're not winning the championship. They go to the Final Four and get beat out. So, but I think Michigan, I think North Carolina beats Michigan State. I think Izzo does it again. He goes to the Final Four. What was it, 2010, 2009? He went to the final four, North Carolina, just run him off the floor. I see that happening again. Yeah, it's hard to bet against Izzo in the uh, tournament. So we have a championship game of Michigan State versus Kansas. North Carolina. Or, uh, okay, you have North Carolina. Okay, so you have number one seed versus number one seed. Um, who do you have cutting down the nets? I got Roy Williams getting revenge on his former team, cutting down the nets over him. Okay. I mean, that is a match of Roy Williams uh, facing off against Kansas, his former employer. That is going to be interesting. And people in Kansas don't like Roy Williams. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. I, mean, I don't understand why they can hold anything against Roy Williams. I mean, he was an assistant under Dean Smith. North Carolina is his home. I just don't get that hatred, that animosity. Why do you think that is? Are obsessed with one individual as Kentucky fans are Freak Patino. 
And what Kentucky fans care about Rick Pitino had he not coached at Kentucky? I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, Matty Baines down there, Louisville Sports Radio, that's all he talks about. I mean, he posts things about Rick Pitino. They just, he don't like Rick Pitino. I, I get he coaches at Louisville, but he didn't leave Kentucky for Louisville. So that goes back to the Kansas, North Carolina. You know, he, Roy Williams left him. Right. I don't get it. I, Bobby Petrino was always my favorite football coach, so I can't really speak to where that goes. Rick Petrino almost went to Providence a few years ago. I, I would have probably rooted for Providence when they went and played a move. <laughs> so, I mean, I can't speak to where all this comes from. But they just don't like Roy Williams. I guess they feel like he left him. He never won a national title there. He went and won a national title with North Carolina. But three years later, Bill Self won a national title with Kansas while beating Roy Williams out of the tournament. I figured that would have solved everything. It didn't. It seems like that every year it's the same teams that win it all. You know, in 2012, Kentucky, 2013, Louisville, 2014, you had, uh, uh, was that UConn? Then, oh, speaking of UConn, yeah. they're on one of those runs again. Yeah, I, I tell you, man, UConn is is it's that school kills me because in the last ten years, UConn's won more than anybody. Oh, UConn's one of the. You know, when you talk of marquee programs, you know, you talk Kentucky, you talk Louisville, Duke, Carolina, Kansas, but UConn's got to be in that conversation. It has to be. I mean, they won their first title in 1999. They've got was it four now. Yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I mean, and they that win in 2014 was just an absolute shock to the world because what were they, a nine seed? Yeah, well, look at two years prior to that. Two years prior, yeah, they won. And it, I mean, they come out of nowhere. You come on as a seven seed, I believe it was, in 2014. Kevin Ollie's first year. It's the second year. It's his first year eligible for the NCAA tournament, though. Oh, is that right? Okay, so you got North Carolina Tar Heels winning it all this year. Yeah, two and one. But like I said, no. When I talked about upsets, I did forget to mention UConn because it seems like every two years UConn gets one of those magical runs. And I don't know if you watched that game against Cincinnati, but when you hit a full court three point shot with with eight tenths of a second left, you're on one of those runs. Before we go here, I want to know uh, what you feel like is going to be the biggest upset in the tournament, a team that's just going to fall and it's just going to shock the world. team that's going to shock the world. Yeah, just by falling off the map. I mean, they're going to be playing, and then all of a sudden they're gone, no longer in the tournament. I can't believe Syracuse got in either, by the way. Throw that out there. That's a definite... That's a definite shocker. Yeah, I mean, they they didn't have the resume to get in. I don't, I don't know if they showed ACC bias or what. You know, you know, Syracuse, they, they were without their coach, though, for nine games, Jim Boham. Yeah. But we've got to think when they hit that stretch there at the end, you know, Louisville obliterated them, North Carolina beat them, all the teams beat them at the end stretch. And they had Jim Boham. You know, you mentioned Rick Pitino earlier, too, about Louisville. I think one sure sign that he's staying is he hired David Padgett two weeks ago as a full-time assistant coach, and today he hired Kenny Johnson as his associate head coach and gave him a raise. I don't think you do that if you're losing. 
No, I don't. But, you know, I heard there was rumors that Rick Pitino was interested in hiring his former player. Um, I asked you about this the other day, Travis Ford. Have you heard that rumor? I've heard that rumor, and I could could see that because he needs needs someone with head coaching experience because, as I said earlier, he's going to be suspended. And... I made a comment about Kentucky earlier, too. When I say they get to the Final Four and then flame out, you know, that that was kind of a joke jab at you. Kentucky's pretty good, and they're ready to win another <laughs> national title. I want to point that out. I don't want to sound like Louisville fans. Ah, hey, Kentucky sucks. Kentucky very well win the national title. Right. I'm not going to be shocked. And, and as a fan, I would love to see that. But it's – you know, just speaking as a college basketball analyst, you have to – I mean, it's not going to be a shock if Kentucky wins it all. It's absolutely not going to be a shock. No, it ain't going to shock me at all. No, I mean – I do think they're deserving of the four seed. I heard a lot of people complaining about that. I do think that was legit. Well, I have to disagree with you. I don't think that Texas A&M should have got a three and Kentucky got a four. I don't see the logic behind that because Kentucky beat – Texas A&M in the SEC tournament, and they pretty much had the same type of schedule all year. Yeah, well, A&M had a few better wins and not a better loss, but, you know, I, I'm not saying A&M deserved a three seed. I'm just, you know, I don't think it didn't come down to Kentucky versus A&M eventually. But, you know, you got Kentucky lost to Ohio State. They lost to Auburn. They lost to Tennessee. I mean, those two losses right there, I think, is what kept them from in a Three seed. Actually, I think if you win either one of those games, you're probably a three seed. But I just don't think you can lose both of them. They lost the three teams with losing records. Who was the third team? Auburn and Tennessee. I don't know who the other one was. But sometimes you look at the losses. I just don't see how the losses could. I thought there was a four. It would have been nice because that means that they would have switched places there and Kentucky would have been in the West and they would have been playing teams like uh, Texas and uh, Oklahoma and Duke. I would have much rather have been in that bracket than playing Indiana and North Carolina. Well, Louisville would have been before where Duke's at had they been in the tournament. Oh, okay. You, you know, that's a good... That's a good um, thought there. I wonder where Louisville would have been placed in this tournament. Duke got their seed. Duke, would have been a, Duke should have been a five. So then again, you would have seen a Kentucky uh, you would have seen a Kentucky-Louisville matchup if Kentucky would have replaced Texas A&M. I actually think if, if Kentucky had been a three seed, they would have been in the south. I think you could justify letting them play in Louisville had they been a three seed. I don't think you can give a four seed at home. Kentucky would have three. That'd been a problem. Miami was in which case, Miami would have probably switched down to the west or possibly over to the Midwest. It, it would have been, if Louisville SMU was in, a lot of things would have been different. I have to agree with you. I do have to agree with you. I get your argument, Kentucky versus A and M. But if you if you take the A and M factor out of it, I think I think it's about right. Well, Ron, I want to thank you for joining me on this special edition episode of Off the Cuff, discussing March Madness. 
I look forward to speaking with you even more uh, as the tournament goes on. I'd love to have you on um, some more of our episodes that we'll be having to discuss more college basketball, and I would love for you to join us. Oh, sounds good. I'll be in studio for the Selection Sunday next year. I'm not able to make it this year. I will be down next time. Definitely look forward to having you in studio. Well, Ryan, have yourself a good night, and thanks for joining us. I appreciate you having me. We just shot, you know, I didn't plan anything. I had the bracket in hand, so I may have stuttered and backtracked myself a few times, but I apologize. But thanks hey, for having me on. No problem at all. This is off the cuff, so that's what it's all about. Have a good night. Yep, you too. See you, Ron. All right, Ron Mullins joining us via the telephone to discuss the brackets. Well, March Madness continues, and we will see more playing games tomorrow, but the real games start Thursday, and we look forward to covering it here on Off the Cuff. And we'll be back in studio. Chad Rainwater will be back in studio with me to discuss uh, rounds one and two and to preview the Sweet 16. And he's the only one that's confirmed that he'll be in studio. So we might have another co-host or two joining us uh, along with Chad. We might have the whole panel back from the Selection Sunday show, Jordan and Zach and Chad. We'll just have to see. But again, thanks to Ryan Bullins for joining us via the telephone on the March Madness Eve podcast. But ladies and gentlemen, I am Adam Banks. Thank you for listening to the show. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode.